I often just keep him sort of at arm's length just for like a, a power play um, to try and yeah. keep a bit of control over you the situation. It. Yeah. You do, yeah. He needs to know his place. And he often doesn't know his place. So it's, you know, it's good that you um, reaffirm that for him every week. He's <laughs> like a dog. He needs, to, he needs to know the master and he needs to know who the director is, you know? Okay. As long as there was a, a, a moment there where I was worried that there was going to lean into like a sexual thing, but I think we've steered away from it now. And it's more like an animal or like a like a, an orderly kind of thing than any sort of relationship right. dynamic. Um, so thank All you right. for steering away from that. Well, look, um, I'm going to be really honest. I I wasn't going there. Okay. So now you look like an idiot, the depraved one. Yeah. Well, it's nice to um, mix it up a little bit because so often I'm the smartest one in the room and I really feel like <laughs> this dynamic now I'm sort of the underdog here and you're coming in with your legal education your female perspective and really putting us in our place so this is good this is overdue <laughs> well look I I am confused why I'm on here but um excited I don't know I mean anything could truly happen so we'll see where <laughs> this takes us have you had a good day so far um, I've had to work today because I have a, a On the trial. weekend. Um, yeah, I often do. And as I tell Michael, um, so I've, <laughs> I don't know if this will come up today, but I have, um, um, I'm doing a lot of sex cases at the moment. So a lot of rape trials at the moment. Oh gosh. Yeah. Is that just yeah. in the air at the moment? How, why, why is it so many? Just because, um, because of COVID, um, and you know, things are kind of starting to return back to normal now. So trials are only now recommencing. Gosh. So how is that, yeah. has that been a significant impact? Is it because of like court attendance, like actually getting into places in person has been so limited? Yeah. And they, they're reluctant to have those go ahead virtually. Right. Um, any sort yeah. of trial or specifically sex-related cases? Well, any sort of trial, but specifically sex-related cases. Why is that? Is that because there's a little bit more, uh, I guess, visibility in a testimony if it's in person? Is that what, What's the thinking behind that in that area? I suppose so, but I think it's just the judge wanting to get a sense of whoever's um, speaking to them, right. you know, rather than, I don't know, they, they do comment that they can't get a, um, a real accurate reading of, of what somebody is saying to them over a link as opposed to in person. Yeah. And I suppose that's true, the body language and all that. Mm. And I suppose you don't, I suppose you don't know whether they're also like reading something or there's someone off screen or you don't know what other kind of circumstances might be around someone when you're just looking through a webcam. Mm. And I suppose just the gravity of the um, crime as well, you know, mm. um, wanting them to take it. I don't know. It just doesn't feel as serious when it's, yeah. Um, on a video link. Yeah, that's fair. Interesting. What about you? Um, I, I've been well, thank you. I had a, a, a slightly <laughs> um, less serious day, I suppose. Um, I, I went for a run and then I Great. went and caught up with some friends for coffee and mm -hmm. that was kind of my day. So it hasn't been to the same level, I'd say, of social importance mm. or perhaps even effort required from me, but we're making up for well, it now. I, don't, I think, you know, it is important to get coffee, Nick. Oh, thank you. It is important to go for a run. Oh, thank don't you. Don't discount that about it's yourself. A bit of self-care. Exactly. Because I write myself exactly. off so much. I find I find that I don't value my own time as much as I should. 
Maybe this That's is a so big turning cute. point for me. It's, it's yeah. so nice to have, I guess, just like a warm and, and supportive voice on the other end of this call because yeah. I don't really get that a lot of the time. So I see that. I see that. This is good for me. Um, And I can see this dynamic emerging now where we gang up on Michael and mm -hmm. I, I really like it. Okay. Um, and it's similar to the one that we had when we were all in person as well. So okay. well. Something I feel like changed. part of the family, so that's um, that's really sweet of you. And I um, wish you were part of the family, um, and I don't know, maybe even in place of other families. I don't want to ask you. I don't want to put you on the spot here. But if there was one sibling that you had to get rid of ben. and s replace with me, would any names come to mind? Um, I think I answered a bit too quickly, but it would still be Ben. Um, I just think that you and my, you and. My, <laughs> You knew I was going to say that. You and Mike would just have such a delightful dynamic. Okay, I just think it would be really That went a different way than where I thought, but, um, you know, I'm very grateful for it. Um, uh, well, if I can say this, you know, um, if you ask me that again in front of Michael, I'll say him. Okay, great. Um, um, well, you know my speaking answer. of, I can see that there's someone knocking on the door, so I think we might um, might need to introduce... A, um, another member to this this call, unfortunately. Um, yeah. What the mm. hell is this? Oh. What the hell is this? Sorry, that's oh, that's a little bit. Oh, Michael. That's a bit awkward. Um, yeah, we we're just in the middle of a. We were just in the middle of a podcast. Um, hey, hey, buddy, what's up? Did you? Um, what what, what were you after? Here? What were you? Do we, are we scheduled to catch up or what's? Is this a bit? Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, Laura and I were just, we were just doing a deep thought and. Uh, I don't appreciate this. Not a little bit. Oh, I, I didn't mean to. Mm, this is a little bit it's awkward. A bit. Yeah, it is. Have you, have you started the podcast? Well, yes, we have. Is that what we you're have saying? started. We have started the podcast. Um, you know, as we do most weeks. I haven't um, done the intro. Maybe we'll get that out of the way and then, ha, then we'll ha, bring in tell, Michael. Tell me this. Welcome to Deep Forward, everybody. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. This is a podcast. Um, we just sort of examine the big issues in the world and Unbelievable. just see them through just like a, a half female, half male perspective. Um, sitting through the internet with me um, this week, my good friend, Laura. Hey, Laura. How you doing? I'm really good, Nick. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. And um, I'm Aww. Nick. No. Oh, that's nice. And uh, special guest this week, Michael. Hey, Michael, how you doing? This is this is not funny. What's this not is funny? not funny to me it's one not bit. Not funny, no, no. You've usurped me with my own flesh and blood. I don't I, think it didn't even take that long either. <laughs> I don't think that Wait. It, it's a usurpation. It's quite a, a natural transition, I think. Oh, for fuck's sake. Have you done any segments yet? Well, we, we've had a catch up. We've you sort of talked about the world what I've done today. Um, yeah, so no I, I think we've sort of been yeah quite happily going along now. This is very fucked up. Um, what well, did anyway, you? Laura, nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for um, thanks for joining the show, Michael. I'm. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Ugh. Um, Michael, tell us a bit right. about yourself. How, how have you been? What's been up today? What's it been up today? Um, I'm, Michael, I'm, don't uh, be rude. Come on. Sorry, I'm a guest after all. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 just eleven days sober, so I'm I'm on the teas. Oh. Um, so that's been going well. Been sleeping really well. Um, <laughs> going rock climbing tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, what is this podcast about? Oh, it's just it's just you know a, a regular sort of topical chat about. You know, things happening in the world, political issues, um, cultural issues. And, uh, yeah, I, I find it always really helpful to hear Laura's opinion on things, uh, particularly when we're dealing in areas in the legal realm or dealing with women's issues. Um, I'd hate for this podcast to sort of be a bit of a boys club where we just talk about things we're not really able to talk about or should be talking about without a valid perspective. So, um yeah, it's nice Sounds to have like you, you on need board. a straight white male perspective. To exactly. Be I, I'm glad that you've you've brought that, and thank you so much for um, for joining us today. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like we should just get this thing rolling. Um, Laura, you've been saying for a while that you you sort of had some opinions, I suppose, about uh, the sexual. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> the bit's done. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. we should properly introduce Laura. Uh, I feel like we covered that at the top. <laughs> You've already done that. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, by implication. Michael, why don't you introduce me? Okay. Oh, that, that might be a good idea. She, she's genuinely a better co-host than I am. <laughs> 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 um, so this is my favorite sister, Laura. She's 20-somethings. Um, she's, you know, in her late, late 20s. She's um, the apple of of my eye. She's the, by a long shot the favourite child, and rightly so. Quite frankly, yeah, she's um, more accomplished. She's uh, got her head on her shoulders. She's just a better person all round. Um, so naturally, she is my parents' favourite, um, and I don't blame them. Um, but yeah, a lot of, lot of compliments Laura, there, um, Laura. I, I've sort oh, of a mixed bag. Hmm. <laughs> I um I feel sort of like part of this family now, um, and I guess I'm wondering that if maybe there was a space up, or if if you could make a space in your sibling dynamic, um, whether there's anyone maybe whose place I could take. Yeah, well there there are two um two options here, aren't there? <laughs> and um, Nick, you you Michael, you weren't here for this because um, you're a bit you're a bit Girl. late to this podcast. No, I wasn't. Um, Nick did ask me this before you got on the link. Um, and I just I just wanted to hear what you thought I would say to this, Michael, yep. before I give my answer. And what is, is there a question coming? Yeah, what, yeah, what do you think I, my answer to this would be? Which sibling would Laura have kicked out to replace even, with me? Even now, even asking him this question, he's confused. I mean... <laughs> This, I'm being straight up bullied here. <laughs> this is my fucking show. Yeah, it's my show now. Um, no, I know who you'd pick. You'd pick me because, no offence to Ben, but that would not be a sustainable option to keep Ben around. In pla- If we're replacing someone with Nick, you'd want, you know, you'd want me and Nick rather than Nick and Ben because that's not going to be a great dynamic, is it? Interesting. Laura, how did you answer this question earlier? Pretty similar to that, I would say. That's. <laughs> did you get that on tape? Uh, I believe that very quickly uh, she threw Ben out. And so it would have actually been 
the three of us, Michael, but I'm glad to see that your cynicism and self-hatred has really led to you throwing yourself out. Um, no, hold on. I th- no, I threw Ben out. What do you... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, now look who's confused. <laughs> Sorry, there's Welcome so many to the show, Nick. Siblings. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, nice the power guess. dynamics changed. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to think of the whole group. You can't just think of, you know, the, the individual. Okay. Yes, exactly. And uh, we haven't consulted Dad about this, but, um, you know, <laughs> that'll be another interesting dynamic for us to <laughs> tackle when that time comes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, um, um, so this is the first time we've had a guest in how, when was the last guest we had, Nick? I think it would have been it's in been person. So long. It would have been in person yeah. in Adelaide. So a long, long think, time ago. I think it was maybe Brit during my old housemate. That's true. Brit Actually, that's like very true. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. So f- six years since we've had a guest. Yeah. Why, have it, why has it been so long? Just because our, like, our, our rapport is just so strong. We didn't like the dynamic of having a smarter woman in the room. And we tried to really yeah. recover our um, our egos over the course of a few years. Um, but I feel like we're yeah. in a place now where it's getting ready there. to be knocked down again. Comes with age. Right. So will it be another six years before? It will be six years, yeah. 100%. 100%. If not more. No. <laughs> um, Michael, you have alluded to it earlier. Would you like to introduce? Well, I suppose I can just I can pick back up where I was introducing, which was that the the topic that has prompted this, I think, a little bit is the fact that we have been talking about Louis um, in previous episodes and your um, continued enjoyment of his work, Michael, and ability to separate the art from the artist. And also uh, wanting to um, clarify or minimize seems like I'm over-exaggerating, but um, put into perspective his potential um, crimes versus, you know, actual rapes and that sort of thing. And we have had feedback um, off the pod about uh, whether or not some of the things that he has admitted to doing were sexual assault and that sort of thing. And so I thought uh, it would be interesting and relevant to have Laura um, pop on and, and sort of give her um, legal explanation about also female perspective of of the state of that culture um, and and the, the Me Too of it. So, um, you know, good luck. Um, but Laura, did you have some um, <laughs> opinions or, or something on uh, Louis to get us started? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did want to know, though, um, were those people that were commenting, were they, was that me or was that somebody else? There was you. Um, I think we've had, maybe not in the most recent mention of Louis, but I do think in prior discussions of it, we also had feedback then that um, was, I think, split down the middle with a few people agreeing with Michael and a few people finding it um, less easy to stomach his behaviour. Mm. Well, maybe we could start with um, some of the comments made on your podcast in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Nick, I can't really recall you you saying anything too controversial about Louis C.K. on the podcast before. But, yeah, Michael, <laughs> well, what you said, Michael, I think from my, from my memory is that um, what he did wasn't illegal. Yes, <clears throat> correct. Can you, can you just kind of refresh everyone's memory? Well, what he did 
was ask women, um, I believe it was just comedians, uh, if he could jerk off in front of them. Um, and some of them said yes, but I think the point of difference between me and Nick was that he it was implicitly, whether, whether or not they gave him permission, it was implicitly a um, mismatched power dynamic uh, due to his uh, fame, wealth, and power, um, that and that led some women potentially to well, they did because they went to the New York Times with it uh, to feel like he had exploited that power. Um, now that in itself is not a crime; um, it is a you know, it's a what am I going to say here? Like a, it's a bad thing to do. <laughs> I think that's just the to legal clarify, term. Just to clarify, you're saying that um, him requesting permission and then doing the act. Yes. Is no, not no so he he hasn't broken the law, but he's um, it's you know it's a kind of a fucked up thing to do. It's I a think gross we thing had to also, do, and it's creepy. Yeah, I think we had also talked about in a conversation previously. I had described that as sexual assault. And you had, I think, pushed back on that as and not called, not agreed that it was it was sexual assault. Right. Yes. I think if if there's a, a request for permission made, then it seems like it can't be sexual assault. I understand that the the, the power dynamic is skewed there, and it is still fucked up thing to do. But it's I wouldn't regard that as sexual assault. And why is that? Because he's asked permission. Mm-hmm. to get his cock out. It's interesting to me because you've just mentioned about the p- power dynamic, but then it doesn't seem like your conclusion is factoring that in at all because I think that if you did... No, we're, well, we're talking about whether or, not he, whether or not he broke the law here. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. So he hasn't broken the law because he hasn't been... Well, he hasn't been charged with anything because... You know, he couldn't be charged, right? Is that correct? No. So I don't know what the law in New York is, but that's certainly a crime here. Okay. Um, And there are a couple of elements to that. So it's, I don't know how funny this is supposed to be, but it's probably not going to be funny. It doesn't have to be funny at all. (laughs) I'm laughing already. So it's it's a charge called sexual activity directed at another person. They have to do the thing. They have to think that the person, the other person will see them doing that and whatever they're doing has to um, cause that other person to be either distressed or um, have fear. Sure. Now, I think that third part is the one that you might have the biggest issue with. I don't have an issue with that at all. Uh, I'm just wondering how, from a legal perspective, if you're asking someone to do it and not just doing it... <clears throat> Uh, you know, unprompted, that's a bad word to use, but, you know, if the, if, you're, if you've asked permission for it to happen, does that factor in legally at all? Yeah, it does, and it makes things a little, uh, look, I'll, I'll say this, it does make things a little um, less black and white, but it does kind of raise an interesting question about um, how we interpret these kinds of agreements and what what everyone's understanding of consent actually is, isn't it? Yes. Um, Agreed. So 
like if we just strip back consent, it's, you know, two people entering into an agreement. And I'd probably yeah. say that it has, you know, a couple of um, hurdles that you need to get over before you can, um, you can say that consent has been achieved. So yes. the first is that, you know, um, the two parties are entering into the agreement on, an, on a balanced footing. Yeah. And then the second hurdle is um, that that agreement is a mutual one that everyone's got the same understanding um, that it's made voluntarily, whatever it is. Now, I think the issue with Louis C.K., at least in my mind, is that he fails at the first step. Which is what? Which is that this agreement that he's supposedly entering into with these women is not made on a balanced footing. Right. Okay, I understand that. And then I think he fails at the second step as well, which is that, um, you know, when we think of whether or not two people have the ability to enter into an agreement on a balanced footing, that, um, uh, you know, that, that they are entering into that agreement in a, in a true way. So you're, you're looking at it from a very um, black and white perspective. We've, mm -hmm. got, we've got a question asked. Are you okay with me doing this? And then we've got a simple yeah. answer. Well, I don't know what the answer was, but it sounds like it was something like, oh, fine, or something like that, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's enough for you for the purposes of, of this. Well, well um, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. I, I understand what you're saying about the uh, the first step being it's the the proposition is not being made on a on a balanced footing. I understand that. Um, it is tricky though then for Louis C.K. who or any famous person or any person with power, whenever they are going to ask that of someone, even if he was in a, a you know in a kind of a sexual situation with someone who ended up being willing in that scenario. If he's asking, uh, is it okay if I have sex with you? Even that is un unbalanced then. Do you know what I mean? So every because of his power, because of how high up he is, there is no, there is no way for him to ask a question uh, that is on, on a balanced footing. Mm. That's a really good point. But um my response to that would be that's just one of the factors that we take into account when considering if it's a balanced footing. Sure. Um, here there are other factors to consider as well, which is not only that he is um, exponentially more rich and, and powerful and um, well-known than yeah. the people that he's uh, speaking to, but also um, the physical surroundings of, of where this is supposed to be happening as well. Imagine um, and... Look, I think we've had this discussion in the past. I, I, I don't know um, if this is something you factor into when you, um, when you talk about these kinds of issues, Michael, but um, imagine being someone who is um, physically smaller than somebody else in a, mm -hmm. in a hotel room where, you know, they might be blocking your exit, your only exit from the room, where you don't have the opportunity to call out for help um, you have no sure. other kind of physical way of getting out of that room. There's no one else in that room to help you if you, if you need it. Um, and then there's the added layer of, well, what are the 
what are the consequences for me if I say no to this? Sure. Um, not just physically or, or safety-wise, but also what's going to happen to my career. Sure. So these are a number of factors and I think are factors that he failed to take into account when he did this or just didn't want to. And just to clarify yeah. that that's coming in to the consideration of the balance question still at the top. It, it, it's the power dynamic, but it's also an unbalanced question when you're talking about physical surroundings, physical um, differences in terms of the comparative heights or strengths, access to help, access to exit, that kind of thing. That's all still coming under this overhead of, of the imbalance of, of that request, the consent request. Mm. Cool. Mm. Thank you. So I think he can look at it and say, well, you know, I did, I did, I fulfilled my responsibility. I asked them a simple question. But in reality, and if we think back to most of our own sexual encounters, um, we should know better that that is not the only thing that we should be taking into account. And I would also say that um, what Louis C.K. failed to do is to um, take um, what should have been most of the responsibility for making sure that those well, making sure that that balance was achieved rather than what he did, which was um, put most of that onus onto the other person. Sure. So can you give an example of how that might have been achieved? What could he have done? Oh, well, for example, um, perhaps having a conversation with them prior to entering the hotel room, um, establishing a set of um, uh, agreed terms or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, in a situation where there might have been other people around mm -hmm. or in an open space. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't asking know, because I, I couldn't have joined those dots myself, but I just thought it was helpful to hear um, how easily some of those um, mm, dynamics could have been easy. changed um, depending on how the question was approached and, and in what context. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a really good point as well. I mean... Um, I don't know if anyone else has been in that situation, but, you know, certainly it happens a lot for women where um, you are, you have things sprung on you and you have this pressure and you have this kind of clicking at, um, uh, what am I thinking of, um, this this clock that starts. Like a fight or flight of, kind of. Yeah, it's timer where it's like you need to give me an answer now and it kind of changes the way you, your decision-making process works, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, this all makes a lot of sense, and um, you know, for what it's worth, I think it um, it does make me think about it a bit differently. To be honest, like I, I don't think I think I was aware of those other factors, you know, with the with the um, with the the victims of this um, feeling like oh, they could have just said they could have just said no without fully considering and thinking that maybe they didn't feel like they could or maybe they felt like they were unsafe uh, if they did say if they did say no or maybe they didn't know where their exits were or how you know not even physically but um you know metaphorically as well so yeah that i feel i feel like that is um helpful laura thanks um now, can i oh you yeah. go on no go i was going to ask What's your relationship with Louis C.K. now? Um, have you guys stopped seeing each other? Or, uh, no, like, are you are you able to watch him um, now? I mean, I, I know you, we've enjoyed, you know, watching his specials in the past together. 
Um, are, are you able to continue to enjoy his art? No. You're not? Um, and it's it's a bit hypocritical of me because I am able to do that with other people. Oh, like Woody Allen? No, not Woody Allen, but Michael Jackson, for example. Oh, very nice. Which is, you know, a bit of, it's interesting, isn't it? What about? It is. You, I think you, Michael, have said in the past that you are able to separate that a bit more easily. What about you, Nick? No, I struggle with it. I, I, I've not revisited Louis. Um, I think there is gradients mm. of it for me. I, like, I think we are all on the same page that there is no one, uh, you know, sexually re re um, related kind of activity or scandal that gets deserved to be treated with the same brush by everyone. So like the Anziz Ansari stuff is different to the Louis stuff is different to the, you know, um, Weinstein. Woody Allen and the Weinstein and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But so when it comes down to th uh, things like Ricky Gervais, who we're talking about last week and who has not been accused of, of um, you know, any sort of sexual crimes, but whose content and, and subject matter is... Um, pretty uh, distasteful to me at the moment. I'm still willing to give him a go because I think he's, you know, not funny or, or not, you know, really up to date in his um, comedic stylings, but I don't hold a grudge against him because he's committed a crime and, and you know, won't write it off completely. I, I'm rooting for him to wake up and to get better again. So I'll watch, I, I'll, I'll check him out and see whether or not he... Um, still does it for me. But when it mm. comes to people where, particularly with someone like Louis, I feel like on the scale of the offences, it's, you know, uh, had some significant significant offence on people, but it's not the same as, as rape. Mm. Uh, if he had come out after that process and really demonstrated an awareness of what he'd done and... Uh, some attempt to rectify in the aftermath um, to put things right, I think I would be more willing to go and revisit it. And so I, I suppose that's my question to throw back to you, Laura, is do you think that given what he had done, do you think that he could have, after the fact, responded in a way that would have brought you back on board, made you more willing to revisit his work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm nodding as you said all of that because I completely agree. It's, um, I guess the, and you know what, maybe this is an unfair comparison to make, but I was discussing this with my housemates the other day because we were watching, um, we were re-watching those um, Louis through episodes where he goes to um, communities of pedophiles and it sparked this conversation where, you know, we were discussing, um, well, um, after somebody's done something, either um, committed a crime or something else bad, um, what do they need to do to um, to rehabilitate themselves in the eyes of the community? And I think it's certainly um, important to consider, um, to borrow um, your phrase, that gradient and, you know, what um, spectrum something, uh, what level of the spectrum something falls on. but in terms of Louis C.K., yes, it's not a rape, but I guess for anything, I'm just looking at a bare minimum for some sort of idea of um, 
sorry, some sort of sign of remorse or, um, you know, that he feels sorry for what he's done. In fact, what I feel like he has done is just laid low and just waited it, waited for it to pass. I mean, he did issue an apology when it happened. Yeah. Uh, in my view, that's not enough. What I would be looking for is something, you know, more sustained. Um, sure. Would you like to see it reflected in his art, perhaps, or like ideally, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, Nick. We've talked about this before, but like, yeah, he's 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 had a, a couple of specials now since this the uh, the scandal scandal yeah. cancellation. And he jokes whatever. about it, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's more in more in you know kind of jest. He's like, it's uh, it's weird that Obama knows my my thing now. That's what he jokes about. See, it's mm-hmm. interesting for me as well because I don't know that I would necessarily say I need person x who's committed crime y to then reflect that in their art i don't think for me that's necessarily a precursor so long as the remorse was evident elsewhere if there was other actions taken sure i think if you are going to bring it up in your art then it needs to be demonstrated but if if he kind of stopped talking about sex stopped talking about that behavior as well and just got you know Back to basics and started talking about worms or whatever, you know. Like, I, I, I would be willing for him to do his one-hour worms special if he'd also gone out and started a foundation about, you know, bringing up female comment comics and you know some sort of restitution and payment and and understanding and awareness. Yeah. And if he never talked but, about but- it again, I'd kind of be okay with that. But I think the fact that he continues to talk about it, or that he that the sex conversations are not off base for him it then just draws into sharper light the fact that he hasn't seemingly addressed what he did, to my satisfaction. But do you really think that if Louis C.K.'s next project after getting cancelled was Louis C.K. presents five comedians, do you think anyone's going to buy that? I mean, no. Well, I don't know. It depends... It depends what your your point is there. Like, do you think that it would be read as insincere if he did the work to support female comedians? Or are you uh, saying that t- it's not funny? No, I'm saying that it, it would be so transparent, and it would. I think people wouldn't yeah. receive it well because it would be so, it would feel disingenuous. It'd be like it'd be called. It's not because of the other thing. <laughs> but Louis C.K. presents five Michelle Wolf, you know, like yeah, people wouldn't buy it. But I, I get, I, I take your point that like he he did really just lay low and kind of wait for it to uh, breeze over. Which I mean, he's not employable now, but he is so renowned and people still love his his art so much and are willing to pay for it. Um, that he's not beholden to, you know, a studio or Netflix. He doesn't need them. He can just, like, he's in a privileged position where he can just put stuff out and he's, you know, he's got a new movie coming out now with Joe List, (laughs) July 4th. Um, Well, I think this this is an important overlap with the the Depp Heard um, outcome as well, isn't it? Nice. Now you've, yeah. Segways. This is why um, she's my favourite podcast partner because she just has these segues just ready to go. It's incredible. Uh, I'm not even joking. She is way better than me. She's more articulate. <laughs> she's come prepared with segues. Fuck. I'm going to be out of a minus $70 a year 
income here. <laughs> yeah, thank, <laughs> thanks for transferring that money, by the way. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, um, you know, uh, you've just said that he's not employable. Hasn't he just won a, um, a Grammy? Award? Yeah. Well, that was a funny one, wasn't it? Um, you know, we, we, we kind of uh, guesstimated that he won that award because everyone voted for him. I think it's that you've, it's voted on by your peers and everyone voted for Louis because they thought no one's going to vote for Louis and they want to get the, you know, more of the points for themselves. Is that um, your speculation? Yeah, no, we just yeah, sure. we guessed that. Okay. Well, in terms of my segue, um, it just kind of brings up an important uh, conversation. I mean, if we look at the Depp uh, Heard trial, that's that's a, um, a a much more complicated conversation than the yeah. Louis C.K. one, in my view. Well, let's get into it. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on on that because that's been that's been one where you know the Johnny Depp's been kind of cast out in, you know, in isolation for the last five years and seemingly public perception of him has dropped dramatically to the point where, uh, you know, supposedly he is losing roles. But mm. it this Heard case, this trial defamation case has been so bizarre in some ways because, I mean, for, for a number of reasons, the least of which being you know bed shitting but he it seems like public per, public perception of Johnny Depp has just dramatically uh, swayed back in his direction um which i I, do, I just don't know what you um what you chalk that down to apart from an unlikability in Amber Heard or and this may be um this may be true as well. Uh, society may be inherently misogynistic. That could be one. And also, I know, you're surprised with how fucking woke I am, dude. <laughs> I turn it on for Laura. Um, but I'm being serious. And th the third one might be maybe Amber Heard is a liar and people can see through it on some level. Well, and what I do think, you think Nick? there's other, there's other things there as well. There's also for the media coverage and their um, perspective, uh, clicks, ad money, revenue gain from amping up uh, uh, this into sort of like a high combat, high stakes thing with every note, every statement being you know hyper analyzed externally. The fact it's live streamed, which is so fucking bizarre to me. Um, so weird and all that kind of thing and then there's also there's like a meta level of it in my understanding as well which is the tactical choice of jurisdictions where you bring this case in which party is on the stand and and i haven't followed this case as closely perhaps or definitely as you michael and perhaps as as you to laura but my understanding of the situation here is that in a previous case, the allegations against Johnny Depp were uh, held to be true, I think, in like 11 out of 13 counts. Um, and and he was, uh, you know, officially uh, convicted, I guess, held to have committed those crimes against Amber. This case here is a corollary to one that was in the UK taken yep. against the publication that 
uh, carried her uh, article, right? Her yeah, op-ed statement um, calling him, you know, uh, what was it? A, a, a wife feeder or whatever the, the term was, which Depp lost. And then here, the case in America was brought against Amber, specifically herself, in which he won for the most part. Is that is that a correct statement of the facts? Yeah, I think so. So, to, um, so to the, me, just to to wrap up with my one under- correction. Yeah, please. I, sorry, I think um, it, the UK case was libel, um, a libel case brought against the Sun. Yeah. Which published um, that headline about him being a wife beater. Yeah. Not related to the Washington Post op-ed piece that she um, signed off on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so. My uh, my takeaway here is, or that fifth point that I wanted to raise as well, is a jurisdictional thing, and where the different um, countries' standards as to what consists of slander or libel, and um, and the potential remedies available to um, Depp in each of those cases were quite different, and I suppose wondering as to the motivation of where and why these cases were brought and what might be might have been uh the desired goal from the well from both camps really but from 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 Depp's camp as well um so I don't know if you want to jump in Laura with some of your um feelings about it all um yeah well look I found this one really um hard to watch actually and so I I'm aware of everything that's been going on but I I found it um quite upsetting to follow and I know that Michael's been, um, um, you know, watching it live. Been casually enjoying it. I've done other stuff too. That's so weird it? to me. I, okay, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I watch it? It's like two celebrities airing their dirty, dirty laundry. I mean, oh. it's great stuff. It's good entertainment. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel good about that. All right. <laughs> no. Um. Where do I start? I mean, that's such a big question. Yeah. Um, how, how about we, we start right at the very end? Do you think that the case as it was decided was decided correctly? Do you think that the legal justification, did, did when you heard the outcome, do you think that that was a fair um, decision? Oh. Well, look, I don't pretend to be uh, an expert in like um, American no. <laughs> defamation law, but um, well, it was UK. <laughs> so, are you an expert in that? No, this was this was American. This was this was held in the UK, was it? We're talking about the most recent. Yeah, right. The, that was in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> that was held in the UK. That's why there's photos of Johnny Depp in the pubs. Of England, of London. After the initial the trial. case. The initial case was was that in America? That was in the UK. Well, the the last case was in the UK. The one that you've been watching. Yeah. Was in Virginia, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I thought it was in America, Marco. It was in America. Wait, what the fuck? Johnny Depp went out to a lavish Indian dinner afterwards to celebrate. Apparently, <laughs> he tipped apparently he tipped the waiter thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it was in Virginia. Oh boy! Oh, was it? Yeah. 
Well, fuck me then. Okay. Which is yeah, like, sorry, I was confused there because I, I was I swear it was in America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um look I suppose I suppose um post decision I can't comment on whether I think it was like right legally or anything like that. Just uh, watching it as a human person, I can't help but um feel really disappointed with the conversation that it's um that it's struck up. Um I mean, even even things like, um, I mean, this. I mean, the, the the overlap between this and Louis C.K. is that I was referring to um, earlier is that, um, you know, we've got two men with uh, maybe a little bit different, but huge um, celebrity profiles, debt more than anyone, really that you can think of. I mean, he's an absolute bona fide a-lister, isn't he? Yeah. He's been in everyone's, um, you know childhoods their adulthoods for, for decades he's a sex symbol he's um you know he's just somebody that people have an incredible um attachment to and yeah. so um what i have seen is that you know you've got videos of um fans outside the courtroom waiting for him to go in waiting for him to come out um even before the trial started just making up their minds before the case had already been heard and then um you know, it just, it seems very unbalanced from beginning to end. Um, now, now, would you, would you agree that, I mean, first of all, people, yes, the trial was aired live, hmm. but I mean, we're dealing with people who uh, have a team of lawyers throwing millions of dollars at this, where the lawyers essentially playing out their lives. I just rewatched Marriage Story last night. Um, and it just kind of made me think of this as well, where, where you have a relationship that exists between two people and then when shit hits the fan and both sides get lawyers, then you're kind of airing out all this stuff and then it's like, he did this, she did this. And that's, kind of, that's, that's the version of their relationship that, we're, that is playing out. Now, if we are watching this as a documentary, perhaps, say, and let's just say every moment of their relationship was recorded and it was presented in a kind of a, a, an unbiased documentary. This is hypothetical for hypothetical sake. Then we might get more of an understanding of, of the dynamic between the two of them. So no one knows what's really going on. And ultimately the jury has to decide who they believe or which, which case, which uh, side of the trial which side of i don't know the what the words are which side of the you know dispute um dispute uh you know is more believable or you know whatever so to your to your earlier point laura yes people on johnny's side definitely made up their minds before um before they even before the trial even started because of their love and adoration for him but I also see on the other on the other side of things, people going, well, you know, um, uh, Johnny Depp is definitely an abuser, and you know he's a you know he's a pig and all this stuff, and we should we should believe Amber Heard. My my argument here is that no one really knows. No one should be doing that, really. In in if they want to be intellectually honest, no one should be, you know, claiming that they know who is 
you know, who is telling the truth here because we just don't. And the other, the other, the other layer on top of this is that they are both actors and they get paid to lie for a living. And so where I, what I feel like the injustice at, at, on this trial was, was that Johnny Depp just came across more likable. And so this internet sweep of, uh, you know, a favorite favoritism for him during the course of this trial, it seems to me just to be boiled down to, you know, um, him being kind of, you know, more likable when he's on the stand. Um, and what I'm referring to with the inherent society's inherent misogyny, I think Amber Heard comes across as like pandering or, you know, people don't like, I, I, I think people don't like, uh, you know, kind of like a complainy woman. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a perception that society has or, an, you know, a, an opinion that society has. I can see your face now. I'm not saying that I don't, I, I'm not saying that I hold this, Laura. I'm just saying I think that's something that exists within society. Um, and I think that's what we saw played out, like a little bit of like, oh, no, she just seems like a, she just seems like a bitch. You know, it's like that kind of thing. <clears throat> mm, yeah, it's a really interesting point. Um, and I, I certainly agree that the dialogue following the outcome has been, um, if I can use this phrase, um, maybe even weaponizing the Me Too movement um, in the opposite yeah. direction. Sure. And the point that you raise is a point that's been present in the post-outcome conversation as well, which is in the me- in the wake of Me Too, this there's been this presumption that um, any woman that makes an allegation um, is to believe no matter what the evidence is. So yes. that's another conversation that's been present. Yep. Um, but again, if I can bring it back to this idea of uh, a balanced footing, can we really say that these two people, regardless of whether or not they're both famous or both actors, are coming to this case um, equally? And I don't think we can. But In Laura, fact, but Laura <clears throat> Johnny Depp is arguing that she defamed him. Yes. So, yes, he has more power, but then what... In some ways, he's powerless if, if, we, if we take that approach, whereby there's no way for this to be a balanced, um, there's no way for this to have balanced footing. He feels like he's been, um, you know, defamed. So what is he meant to do then in that, in that case? Is he just meant to just suck it up? Are you saying, um, you know, say we're in a situation where, he actually is a is a true victim. Um, yeah. He hasn't perpetrated any violence, and he's brought this case for the sole purpose of restoring his reputation. Yes, well, if you take him, if you take his case at face value, that's what it is. Right. Um, what's what's what, so, what, so, what I'm saying is, yeah, you go, Nick. So uh, Laura's hypothetical there uh, is in a world where. Johnny Depp is 100% innocent, did not have any prior convictions, and then Amber came in and uh, wrote a, a slander, a libelous um, piece. Even if there is a dynamic there, a power dynamic of uh, Johnny Depp being, you know, much more capable or rich or powerful or famous against Amber, Michael's question was, what can he do about it in a way which is not uh unbalanced how how could how could johnny depp 
in that hypothetical where he is 100% innocent with a legitimate case, but with a power imbalance, what is the correct steps for him to take? Yep. Oh, that's a really hard question. And I suppose if that were the case, then he'd be in a really tricky position. Um, and there would be no way to um, to pursue, you know, uh, pursue that legal action without having at least, you know, um, a portion of the conversation including um, a discussion about that power imbalance. But um, I don't know how useful that conversation is when those factors are very much present. Yeah, I think that's that's where I would then take this, which is to say that, that in that case I can see it is a very difficult question to ask as to what to do, but I don't think... I think that you can then hold it up to the current state of the affairs, the actual world that we live in, and say that he was convicted on these um, assault charges in a court of law previously, and that makes that that question easier for me to answer about um, that dynamic. But, Are you talking okay. about the UK case? <clears throat> yeah, I'm. I'm saying that in our world, Johnny Depp has been held to have committed these crimes, so. His... Yes, but to a civil standard still. So while um, I think a lot of the conversation has been, well, why has a UK version found him guilty when a US court hasn't? And I think um, there's really uh, it's really hard to answer that question other than um, some people have put forward that um, UK courts are more um, plaintiff-friendly. So in other words, more likely to side with um, a victim, considering that the balance that you need, no, sorry, the um, legal burden that you need to um, prove the case on is balance of probabilities rather than a criminal standard, which is beyond reasonable doubt. So it's a lot of a, it's a, a much lower test to meet. And if you consider that it's happening in a, um, a jurisdiction and a court that is, you know, maybe a little more likely to side with a victim of family violence than a, um, you know, a um, perpetrator of family violence. I don't know how how valuable that um, argument is, but that's one of the things that have been put forward. Can I, can I just ask then, I mean, Nick, on one hand, it seems that you were saying that, you know, we've, we've, um, we're trusting the jury's judgment in the UK with regards to Johnny Depp's, um, you know, uh, the allegations of, or the charges of domestic violence, but then and accepting that decision. But on the on the one in America, um, where he's won the case, we we don't accept that one. So I'm do, glad I that mean, you brought that point? up because that that was that question was about about juries. I think is a really interesting one because in the UK, I believe it was decided by a judge, not by a jury, and that right. historically a, a judge has a just because it's their job, a much deeper understanding of the law, a deeper understanding of what the difference between a balance of prob probabilities and, you know, beyond reasonable doubt is. Uh, it's their day in, day out life and an ability sure. to, quote unquote, more objectively apply those standards to a case based on the facts in front of them versus that of a jury, which is, you know, a jury of your peers, whatever that might be, but which is effectively lay people 
lay people who need to have legal concepts explained to them who are susceptible uh, to external you know influence yep there was no media um lockout on them i believe so they could potentially be seeing the media coverage of it and also was there really i believe that's the case i don't think there was a media lockout yeah they they probably wouldn't be watching it they'd probably be bored (laughs) yes (laughs) i was hearing stories that they were falling asleep during the trial Mm. Jeez, I wasn't. But they're also, they are, a jury is thus also very susceptible to that fame, that I'm sitting in a room with Johnny Depp. I liked Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, that that is a much harder thing for your average person to try and separate, and particularly mm. when they're being courted effectively by, uh, you know, the, the lawyers for both sides of the case, having them try and explain things, appealing to the affection that they might have for these people. Um, so I wonder if you had any sort of um, comments on the, the jury process, Laura, and, and, and what impacts that might have. Yeah, well, as we call in the biz, guys, um, juries are a mixed bag. Um, um, but, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of... And that's They're a bit weird. Weird concept, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, but it's where the power dynamic really comes to the front of the conversation again. And how can we, how can we have a conversation about this trial and not take into account, um, you know, what what the jury must have been coming to this case with? We've got on the one hand someone who hasn't established a career that that well, isn't, you know, and and, and on the other hand we have someone who's been in childhood movies. We've got a nostalgic connection to. We have a real kind of investment in him almost. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. He was Willy Wonka. Oh, he was well, that's Willy his worst Wonka. role. What's everyone's favourite Johnny Depp movie? His best role, <laughs> Willy Wonka. Good, good question, and Michael. Then, and then we'll do Amber <laughs> next. <laughs> What's eating uh, Gilbert Grape? Anyone like that one? Oh, you know what I really like? Finding Neverland. I, did, I studied that in English. Did oh, anyone yeah. see Finding Neverland? That was great. Edward Scissorhands. I'm trying to think. Hearing Loathing's good. I haven't seen a great deal beyond his, like... Oh, you know what it is? It's Rango, dude. Rango's the best. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I think is um, it's a really tricky case and um, that's because we don't have a perfect victim on either side, do we? No, no, there's no no winners in this really, is there? So the only real way to discuss this case is to have a really nuanced kind of informed conversation about it. But then when we think about how the media would portray something like this and, and get clicks and, and you know, um, get as many people viewing their stories as possible, it's probably not going to involve, involve the, um, the details that we should probably, we probably have an obligation to discuss in this kind of case, yeah. is it? Yeah, that's a good point. So it's easier to simplify it and it's easier to um, identify one person as a, a hero and the other as a, um, you know, evil person. Yeah. 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 You just know that after that case, Johnny Depp just ordered, you know, a couple of bags of blocaine and just got <laughs> right on the piss. <laughs> God. Um, one thing that I did yeah. think was interesting about it, though, was that 
none of his previous partners came forward and kind of were willing to say anything that happened well, in their Kate relationships. Moss. Kate Moss was up there. But they, ba- what I'm saying is they basically all said um, he never did anything like this throughout our relationships, which isn't usually the pattern. Well, I mean, do you not believe that then? No, that's yeah. her point. Oh, you're, so your right. point is that that you usually see a, a patterned behaviour. Mm. Okay. So you you stand with Johnny. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, my God. My God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that is an interesting thing. But I wonder as well, again, you can't extricate it from the media circus thing. I wonder how much of that um, decision-making on the the other girlfriend's um, part is as much about I just – I don't want to get into whatever this is for my yeah. own history with it because yeah. fuck this, <laughs> you know. And that's um, exactly the the approach we yeah. should be having in every single one of these cases. And that's, you know, each one on their own merits. Let's look at the surrounding circumstances. What are everybody? What are everybody's, um, you know, uh, place in this situation? What are their? Um, what are the, some of the things that might prevent them from telling the truth? What are the things that um, speak? Um, you know, to the truth um, of what they're saying. We've all we've got to be considering the, the dynamics and the balance and all of those things we've already been talking about every single time. I, I don't want to keep you all afternoon, Laura, but if you had to sort of sum up um, in a big picture um, kind of way, and I, I realise this is already impossible by, by before I've even asked it, but how do you feel about the state of the culture when it comes to our treatment of um victims of allegations of the me too thing are you feeling like it is on the balance of things being a positive development in the, the way that we um handle things culturally and legally or do you feel like there is um just as many things to be worried about in the wake of something like the media coverage that's come off this trial and and the way that um men and uh, and other perpetrators are being treated mm. um where do you stand on, on sort of where we are as i think a um bit of all three really um obviously it's important to consider that um men can be victims of um violence as well um i do think um the conversation post me too is almost i mean we're, i think as a society we're struggling to find some balance here um it's either um, me too all the time or it's um, what people have referred to as an overcorrection and it's just swung in the absolute opposite direction hasn't it where as I said before it feels like this movement is being weaponized against women um, rather than you know it should be about finding some sort of balance between the previous state of affairs where perhaps you know there was this huge imbalance between men and women um, and um, you know maybe a situation that I can understand men might be afraid of where they think that um, uh, women are making unfounded allegations against them um, and no matter what, which happens a lot less than people say they happen. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's difficult, especially in family violence and sexual abuse or assault situations just because of the inherent issues in proving these kinds of things. Um, you know, um, 
they often happen in, in situations where it's in an intimate partner relationship where there might not be um, witnesses around or it might be um, it might not be one one example one um, one event but it happens over a period of time these are all things um, to consider in terms of um, difficulty in proving these kinds of things happened and then when you factor into the um, mm. situation um, another thing which is um, why are these happening um, more often than not to women and if we consider again um, that it's because uh, you know it might be um, you're both you're both you're both having very different expressions on your face right now. Um, I'm and when just you... listening. Oh, I'm, I'm just right, giving you right, the space right. to speak. I'm, I'm not used to this, Nick, in the director health one. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and I think when you consider, um, well, let's look at Louis C.K. Um, I think he's um, he knows what he's doing and he's choosing um, the people that he's doing this to um, very well because he is in a position of physical power over them um, professional power, emotional power, um, and that a lot of these types of crimes are committed where somebody is abusing a imbalance of power. Um, I think it makes it difficult to reach a balanced perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. So I think what I'm trying Absolutely. to say is we're always going to have those issues and I don't know how we get to that balance. It, it, are you optimistic in it, in as much as where we are today seems at least somewhat better than where we were before, pre-Me Too, that there do seem to be uh, some consequences being meted out versus an era, you know, even if you go back like 60 years where that was mm. literally unheard of. Do you think that in the um, in a, a large scale look at things that it, there is optimism to be had that a balance can be achieved because we are already closer to that balance than where we have been, even if there is some, you know, peaks and troughs of of quote unquote overcorrection to, still to come. Yeah, I think when you look at um, when you look back, it's easier to feel optimistic. But in the moment now, I don't, I don't know that a lot of um, people feel that optimistic about where it's headed. It feels like we're a bit in limbo almost, mm. doesn't it? You, you don't feel that things are, you don't think that society will naturally correct itself? No. Right. So you think it could potentially get worse? I mean, that, that seems to me to be harder to believe. I think with the overcorrection stuff, it is, you know, we. I think there was a sense of overcorrection with the Me Too movement and with, you know, campaigns like Believe or Women, um, which is just not sustainable because, you know, um, I mean, you just shouldn't believe all women. You shouldn't believe all men. You shouldn't believe all anything, anyone. Uh, and I think they do a disservice and they almost undermine when that when society does overcorrect in that fashion, it undermines the balance that we're trying to um, strike because people feel like, I mean, this is, this is like an attack and it's just like unfounded. It's, it kind of all comes out. It's like, it's kind of washed with every, with everything else, if you know what I mean. 
Um, so I think striving, and it goes it goes to um, racial equality and sexual uh, identity and, and trans rights and all that stuff. The the aim, I think, should be equality from the get go, rather than trying to give certain minorities a leg up or certain factions of society a leg up in order to you know uh, compensate for the inequality that exists currently and wait for it to kind of go back down it should be everyone is on the same playing field no matter what their sexual identity racial identity you know no matter what uh, uh, uh... Laura, you might have a, an opinion about this as well, but for me, I, I mean, that's a it's a common refrain. But the the problem with that goal, as much as it might be the end goal that we're all aiming for, is that it doesn't reflect the historical disadvantage that these minorities are trying to overcome. So you can all you can decide to hand everyone all the same things now from this point onwards. But if one person, you know, in the metaphorical race to the finish line is starting 50 meters behind the start post because for generations their property was stolen, their, um, you know, um, ethnicity was mistrusted, they were underpaid, they were, you know, beaten up, they were gentrified, you know, all of these things. And then you say, okay, everyone, we've stopped doing that and now everyone gets paid the same. There is still an inequality there, which is what aiming for a short-term, quote-unquote, overcorrection, where you are shooting above equality for a minority to try and give them restitution, if you like, for the historical imbalances, but with the ultimate goal of of bringing everyone back to the place where we're all being handed out the, the same social opportunities and respects and payment and all that kind of thing after we've caught up like that that ultimate goal that you're talking about is 100 percent true but i don't think you can get there without first overcorrecting to compensating for the past yeah i i i think with rep- things like reparations that certainly makes sense but with the you know with believer women to bring that up again i mean that is an unsustainable philosophy to for society to take on uh, and it won't last and my argument is that it serves to undermine the goal of me too in the long run but if if the historical position was no women believed right or no ability for um comeuppance or justice then do you not feel like as a goal of reaching a a closer midpoint that you do need to aim further than that feel free to chip in laura as well uh to answer your question there nick before we um, refer to for laura uh the answer to that is no i don't think we should with that specific example um because uh, you know you know if we, if we yeah I'll, I'll just be making the same points that i've made before but yeah, Laura, do you want to chip in? I, I just, the only thing I would say, um, I mean, reparations, I don't have anything else to add there, but I just, Michael, I just think it's, we need to somehow, you know, get over some of the obstacles to reaching this balance that we're all trying to discuss here. And again, I'd say that, you know, if we're talking about maybe sexual violence or family violence or something like that, then we, 
And and if we're talking about, you know, one person making an allegation against another person in the context of, of this kind of situation, family violence or sexual violence, for an example, we cannot get over the um, the fact of the matter, which is that these kinds of things are often very hard to prove because of the way in which they occur. So we are faced with a situation where it's often one person's word against the other, isn't it? How do we get past that? Because you're always going to say, um, you're always going to have one person saying, well, this has happened to me. And then if the person who is in the more powerful position, which in this case is, a, is men, refuse to say anything other than, I feel like I'm being attacked or this isn't true, how are we supposed to get past that? What we do need is for men to say, yes, we're willing to have an informed, open discussion about this. And that will require um, some admitting that this happens exponentially more to women than it does to men and by men. Absolutely. That includes men against men violence. Yes, absolutely. Now, what I feel is the, is the biggest obstacle at the moment is men not being able to have that conversation without feeling like, um, and I know this is something you've raised previously, um, without feeling like you, the person, is being accused of something. Right? Yeah. Can you talk about maybe some of the thoughts you have around that? Um, maybe feeling like, because I know you've said in the past it's kind of this not all men idea. Um, can you talk <laughs> about on. where that comes from? <laughs> Hold on. Don't put that on me. Why not? No, I, I don't think that she was saying that you are an advocate of the not all men movement, but I think... <laughs> uh, oh, whoops, sorry. I think the the, the, the question there is... is yeah, you, it, it, that we have, I think what Laura has referred to previously is the fear that um, it could happen to you, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're in a society where it's hashtag believe all women, the fear I think that uh, some men have is the idea that, but what if it's misused against me? What if I didn't do something wrong and we believe all women and mm. I don't get my say, right? Like that's been something that we've discussed previously. And is that what you would like uh, explored there, Laura, in terms of Michael's? Look, I think that that is a, um, I think from the male perspective, yes, that is a valid concern to have. And I've lived through that as well with, you know, when I had my my stalker, Um, (laughs) when I had the stalker, like I, I was, you know, worried like what you know what could she make up about me if she's you know unhinged you know so that is a valid concern but i do agree that it pales in comparison to uh having women's voices heard because as you say um they are dramatically overrepresented in these cases so i i i actually agree that um that we, we, as a blanket rule, we should tend to lean towards believing uh, women when they, you know, um, when they raise allegations 
sexual allegations or domestic violence allegations or whatever, I think we should lean towards that. But I think we should also try and look look at things with a critical lens if we can. I think we I think it's achievable to have both to hold both of those um those views or look look through both of those lenses at the same time. You may you may disagree with that um in your experience as a as a lawyer, Laura. But I I I just feel like we can we can kind of achieve that as a society and that should be our goal. What do you think what part of that do you think I would disagree with? Uh, I, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of asking you, do you think, do you think society at large, uh, or even just within the courts can look at cases, uh, of sexual, sexual assault allegations with both a critical lens and also a bent towards believing, uh, the, the victim's side of things? Um, I agree with that to, uh, an extent, I think. Um, this may surprise you, but even in in terms of, um, I think in a social situation, yes, but given there are actual um, real world consequences in terms of people's liberty and and actual, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, penalties that they're subject to in the court system, um, I think it doesn't do anyone a service to have a bent towards believing women. But there are ways that we can overcome those sort of um, uh, evidentiary imbalances. And that's sort of part of um, why the the herd depth thing is so interesting. So we can look at, um, you know, people's previous histories or um, if they have been convicted of anything in the past or if they've had any intervention orders in the past and that kind of thing. There are ways around that. Um, in terms of looking at it as a member of society, I do think we should bend towards believing women, but mm-hmm. as you said, with a critical lens. Okay, we agree. So you're, That's the best way to approach it. What do you think? Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with that entirely. Uh, do you think it's wow, achievable? Wow, this is new is territory thing? for us, Nick. Yeah. We've actually got on camera a moment where you both agreed with Hold each other. Hold on. That's You'll edit this out, right? <laughs> we agree it, quite a lot. Place. We agree quite a lot, I think. Mm. No? <laughs> um, uh, that feels to me um, like a, a nice place to, to, to wrap up this conversation. Was there anything um, left unsaid, any final points that anyone would like to chip in? No. No. <laughs> Great. Um, well, uh, uh, Laura, it has been uh, really lovely to have you here to to hear an um, intelligent viewpoint on this podcast for once. Um, it, it's been um, truly um, lovely to have, yeah. have your input here. Um, I would like to give you the opportunity, if you need to duck away, to disappear. But if you would like to hang around and just be a little light and, and talk about a myth... Um, I've got a couple of myths that I really need to get off my chest. So um, uh, the choice is yours. Stick if around. You would like to, um... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, got I some did want to ask you, though. I did. Oh, I've got myths. Bloody galore. Um, <laughs> did you get? Did, did you have an idea of what you're going to title this episode? 
No, please. You have a suggestion. Never ever taken one of my it. suggestions, so yeah, that's really I'm, insulting. I, that's not true. I have. One. I have. And it was a disaster. <laughs> Everyone was very confused and I never went back. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll find something really right. light and fun. To misrepresent the real, entire tone of this. Just episode. easy breezy. What about, what about Deep Fort <laughs> Shits the Bed with Laura? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be like a Perfect. Johnny Depp movie pun or something. Oh, oh God! You want to you want to really make light of what's this, eating see, Gilbert yeah. rape? Uh, <laughs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> oh my God! Oh Jesus! I think yeah, we'll, we'll table that discussion for later. Um, <laughs> if you've enjoyed this, thank you so much for listening. It's been uh, a real pleasure, and I found it very informative and interesting. And I hope you did too. Um, and it's nice every six years to have one episode that's genuinely <laughs> worthwhile uh there's plenty more of that in the um podcast feed but you can also find us on facebook.com slash deep fort you can find us on twitter at deep fort soundcloud for all of our jingles spotify for all of our songs and uh send an email or some feedback and commentary to deep fort at gmail.com we look forward to reading it how about some myths everyone should we should we get some Miff myths it up. off our chest pause for jingle <laughs> Sorry, I just need you to not laugh there, um, just so, so we can pause for jingle. Um, God, she's. I'm so sorry. I'm it's almost so like sorry. she's not done this before. Michael's Michael's Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah. Michael, I got, you got some like myths? We've all got some myths, so let's, uh, let's get we into it. We've got some it. myths. <clears throat> um, I've got one. Yeah. Um, Laura. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, a bit rude of I you to go that's... first in the context of everything we just talked about with power imbalances, yeah. but... Well, there's definitely a power yep. imbalance on this particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh... Um, I'll kick it off. Um, all right, so I've got a massive myth here that I think you can. You, you guys both like cooking, right? Yeah, Laura doesn't. Yeah. Um, Laura's oh, Laura shaking all the way. Um, but uh, here's one for you, Nick. You know, we often share recipes. I wouldn't say often, but you know, we have once or twice. But how about this as a myth? <laughs> when you're looking up a recipe online, and the recipe uh-huh. needs to tell you. Oh, the I know where you're going life with this story. Yeah, before you can even access yeah. the ingredients. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. In the 1600s, they first discovered that grain could be ground together into forming an interesting construct we call <laughs> flour. Flour, which is one of the key ingredients in today's recipe. I learned about flour when I was. It's yeah. the fucking. Worst. It's the most it's like uh, so uh, self indulgent. It's written by like someone with a blog, you know, and they've like got this recipe, and you know, they they, they give you their whole fucking life story before you can be, before you even see like a, a you know half an onion. So, um, I mean, do they do that? Do you think just to get people on their page so they can put ads on? I don't know. I mean, there's some of these recipes which I respect that they, they'll have a jump to a recipe up the top. That's what I was going to say. I have a demifier for you, which but not is all the of jump them have to it. recipe. Not all of them have it. But not all What re- recipe all were websites. you looking up, Michael? Yeah. 
Oh, it's it's. I'm looking up a recipe. You know, every thirty six hours. Um, it's uh, you know, I'm looking up soups. I'm looking up curries. So I'm looking up. I've literally that, never made a soup. So that so every thirty six hours means that you're looking up a recipe at like <laughs> six p.m. and then again at six yeah, a.m. a day system, later. Yeah, it's not a great but and then at six system, p.m. But it's again. My system. Um. <laughs> I know how much you love looking up soup just in, like the first thing you do when you wake up in the I've morning. I've literally never made a soup. Yeah, I've but, never you know, seen you make a soup. I've never Ever. eaten soup. <laughs> no. Have you ever eaten soup? I'm not even sure what soup is. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a savoury cereal, I think. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, that, that's it. Uh, less less chunky. Yeah, I mean, you're not um, wrong. But yeah, no, that's uh, that just really grinds my gears, man. Hmm. Oh, wonderful. Um, I have a related myth, which I might just, yeah, just piggyback on that. God, I've got a microwave myth. I've got a microwave myth coming out of my, 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 yeah. Yeah, but. Um, so <laughs> let what, me describe. Nick? Finish that sentence. <laughs> I was trying to keep things a little bit classy. Um, your urethra. My microwave is for some reason doesn't have numbers it doesn't have your classic one to zero you know uh, enter your time kind of thing it has a a plus 10 seconds a plus one minute Mm. a plus 10 minute right and it's got these buttons and then you have to do some sort of combo of them it also has a button called add more time and this is this is the subject of my myth it has an add my time add more time button This button does not operate by any laws known to man. It is completely unpredictable. It serves no discernible purpose. Its sole reason for existing is apparently just to traumatize me daily. You can't use it in the middle of a cycle to add more time. Even though the time says add more time, if you press the add more time thing during an ongoing microwave event, it doesn't do anything. You can't actually add more time with the add more time button. The add more time button can only be used... After, after the <laughs> microwaving has finished, but for an indeterminate duration after it's finished. So this is, this is the, this is what happens. I am, let's say heating a soup. I've got a nice soup. I'm heating it up in the microwave. That's not a, that's not a one and done thing. You need to be stirring that yeah. at intervals. So you put a minute on, you take it on, you give it a stir, you put it back in again. If I go to press one minute, it will not let me just do a minute again because it has only been, say, 20 seconds since there was an item last cooked. I have to press add more time first and then press no, that's one up. minute again. But this duration is completely imperceptible. There's no visual <laughs> feedback as to when I'm in the add more time window. So sometimes if it's been slightly longer than the arbitrary 20 or 30 seconds after the microwave's finished and I'm like, oh, I've got to press this stupid add more time button. It doesn't do anything. I just needed to press the one minute thing. It has sort of no purpose. It's a completely purposeless button and it drives me mental. I don't understand it. it it's it's infuriating. That's so a that, pretty good that is one. my myth. And yeah, well explored in detail. Um what yeah. what, what I loved what I loved was uh, you referring to um your your microwaving as microwaved events. <laughs> <laughs> microwave yeah, sessions. Session. Does this a buzz does session. this myth Casey as well as much as you? 
Uh, probably not. He's a fairly cool cucumber. He doesn't tend yeah, to get nice. missed. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Laura, anything to anything well, to look, throw in the pot? I am a long-time listener of this show, and by long time I mean only in the last year or so. It's long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, how long has it been going on? <laughs> seven years or something? Pushing eight. Now. Eight. Okay. Eight. And well, I- seven, seven of those were very problematic, I would say. <laughs> the problematic years. Yeah, I would delete them if I were you. Um, uh, and I note that previous myths have been very heavily criticised for being either too specific or not being specific enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have a myth, mm-hmm. but I, oh. I think it's too, too specific. No, I, I'm ready. It is. Am I going to get? No, I love the specificity. Criticised for this. No. Okay. All right. Well, look. There's this woman. On my tram. Every morning, I go to work. It's 8 a.m. She brings out one deshelled boiled egg. <laughs> I don't see a container. I don't know where this egg has come from. It's self-contained. Does she pull it from her jacket pocket? Does she deshell before she gets on the tram? Who knows? Wait, it's not shelled, so she doesn't. Um... She's 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 done the prep before she gets on. I'm assuming. Oh, maybe that's the ultimate irony, right? Because it comes with a protective wrapper. That's the whole point. Yeah. But she's taken the wrapper off and then pocketed it. Well, I don't know what I would prefer. I don't know if I would because as soon as you take the shell off, then the the smell, you know, fills the space, doesn't True. it? True. Yeah. Yeah. In this way... is currently odorless. Yeah, well, it's not completely odorless, deshelled, oh. but I think it's um, it's less smelly than it otherwise would be. So I appreciate now, does, that. Does she just mung on this like yeah, whole? Just, now like this an is apple? the second part of the myth. Oh, two-parter. You know how people take crisps out and then they lick the dust off the crisps and then they lick their fingers and then they... And then they eat the crisp. You mean like she, a slow chip chewer? Yeah. She licks oh. the egg. Oh. Then she peels no. the white bit off and then she saves the yolk for last. Oh, no <laughs> way. On a tram. That's, that's and the whole, the whole psychotic. takes about 20 minutes. <laughs> from, 20 minutes? From egg to yolk being done 20 minutes yeah i'm just imagining you giving her a death stare every day opposite (laughs) at some point you're just gonna be like again the egg are you serious yeah i have so many questions i I have a feeling that this is the best part of a day like 20 minutes to eat an egg Mm. that is someone savoring this moment they are Mm. absolutely loving it yeah well here's the most confusing part she seems completely normal other than this behavior which makes Uh, me think she gets off on it or something like she just gets (laughs) off on me specific like if i were not there giving her a death stare she just wouldn't enjoy it as much (laughs) and i suppose that's unsettling because that just means that anyone around us at all times could have a loose egg in their pocket (laughs) they could be walking around ready to pull something like this out and it's it's (laughs) 
it's a very unsettling world we live in, right? The there implications are profound. There are egg walkers among us. Yeah. <laughs> but do you reckon she she uh, eats the yolk, like back at like at the office? No, she eats time. it on the tram, but she saves it to last. That's really fucked up. That's not. Yeah. That's a great myth, but that is honestly really creepy. Mm. <laughs> that's something mm. that you would see a serial killer do in the movies. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I take, I do take a boiled egg encased in its shell to work, and sometimes I do put it in my jacket pocket and just pull it out of my jacket pocket, and it does get a few looks in the office. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, and, and with uh, good I say to, I'm, I say to everyone, you know, is it, does everyone mind if I have a boiled egg in the office, you know, given the smell? And then everyone's like, oh, it's fine. But then my boss will open up a window they're you know, lying to pa- you. Passive aggressively, <laughs> just, just like. I think you open should have. Um, you should print up little cards. Sometimes, like people with Tourette's do, <laughs> where like if anyone, you know, they draw attention or like a confused look, they can just like hand over a card, or you know, like like the Joker in the movie Joker. <laughs> Hi, I have a condition. I'd like to eat eggs. And just have it ready to like to hand out and really cut this all off before it like gets too awkward for everyone. A license to egg. License to egg. Michael's <laughs> egg obsession is well known. I mean he's had this he's had this kind of um egg thing for as long as I can remember. So yeah. in a way, you know, if this woman I'd like some context. And if she she's been an egg lover since birth, then I can understand that, but it's just I have nothing. I have nothing to go on. Laura, this is really good. This I reckon this is one of our best steps for sure. Yeah, thank I'm you not so much for that. yeah. For, thank you for, for having for me. Being part of it. Did you enjoy it somewhat? I did. did you? I, did. I really need to go to the bathroom right now, but um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, enjoy it. Otherwise, it's a brekkie special. <laughs> we have weak bladders. Yep. It's true. But, I mean, you've done very well. Normally we stop at least once every podcast so that Michael can run <laughs> off. Um, that's not a joke. That's 100% accurate. At least um, once. At least yeah. once. 